It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Yeah, the foothold principle extends in so many ways to so many issues, and certainly to the Constitution. It's fairly straightforward. I don't know how it's not understood around this country. Now, I'm throwing a little bit of healthy legislative sarcasm in that because there are lots of debates in the states, but what type of debate and what type of actions matter when it comes to our Second Amendment rights? Recent efforts in Illinois and New York continue under the, the, the guise of gun control. And when it comes to many, many Americans like myself who may want to exercise their rights, they make it increasingly difficult and put boundaries in ridiculous ways around institutions, around types of buildings, you name it, in order to make it harder for the law-abiding citizen to remain strictly law-abiding. Larry Correa, a professional firearms instructor and best-selling author, uh, joins me. So, Larry, you know, here we go, and especially at a time when there is so much going on in the state level, what concerns you more, state or federal? Uh, right now, federal. Um, state, there are, there are several states that are just like the problem children. We have, you know, New York, Illinois, uh, Hawaii, Massachusetts. You, you know, continually pushing. But most of the states have actually gotten a lot better on Second Amendment rights over the last generation. Uh, we're up to like 25 states now with constitutional carry. Huge gains all over the country. Uh, a lot of uh, state legislators acting to put protections into the Second Amendment. Uh, federally, just this last week, the ATF had a huge uh, overstepping of constitutional authority with this new brace regulation that's going to turn probably ten, tens of millions of Americans into felons overnight. It's it, So they're both bad. <laughs> it's like choosing between uh, brain cancer and colon cancer. They're both pretty horrible, you know. Uh, but right now I'd say the feds are probably a little worse. You know, how does, and this may be kind of impossible to answer, but maybe there's a pathway to be described here. How does a Republican controlled house, because politics and policymakers are a part of this legislatively or oversight over these agencies, another function of the house of representatives. Uh, Is there a, pathway there to do something about your federal or to address the federal concerns uh possibly i've heard a couple theories um that i I, i'm not really sure about like the legal uh, aspects of this Uh, breitbart had an article the other day about using the cra which is a congressional review review authority but i'm not familiar with how that works exactly um jim jordan when he was put as his um uh, as the chairmanship just the very first thing he did was send a nasty letter to the atf um, the thing is, Congress controls the budget, and the Republicans could rein in a lot of this out-of-control federal agency stuff if they had the spine to do it. Uh, and it just re- would require actually pushing and having these fights and then having these hearings uh, and then, and then and demanding answers of how, how can you go so clearly against Supreme Court decisions? How can you go so flagrantly against the Constitution? How can you victimize 
so many of our citizens and, and, and people in our states who've done nothing wrong, just law-abiding citizens. Um, I think, I mean, the, the, the weapons are there. Uh, the Democrats don't hesitate to, to weaponize every aspect of the government when they're in control of anything. And I think the Republicans need to fight back on this, or we're going to get uh, pushed around. We can't just sit around waiting for Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito to save us. Yeah, and, you know, the agencies, to your point, they're making their presence known. And while there could be, let's call it a legitimate reason, for example, for, you know, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and Explosives, right? We're now going to add the E there, of course, uh, to be at SHOT Show in Vegas this week. Uh, The questions then, are they there to set a presence that we're watching or are they there? I mean, there's a lot of debate over the agencies like ATF and other elements where they put themselves. Uh, And I'm also concerned about, you know, the federal level, which means the Department of Justice and states working together or state departments, attorney general's offices in some of these problematic states. Oh, absolutely. I. so, I mean, in, in my book, I, I've got coming out uh, next week in defense of the Second Amendment. I have a big section where I go through um, what can we do for the future? I mean, how can we move the ball down the field? Well, what are some things we can do? And a lot of it is at state levels and pushing for state level laws and state legislators. Uh, a lot of people don't realize just how much power that they have at the state level uh, to push for this stuff. Uh, federally, you know, because we have those problem states, we have, you know, the uh, we have so many senators coming from those deep blue states that hate guns. It's hard to get federal legislation passed. Uh, but at the state level, we keep making wins. And then the big thing is that the more pro-gun people we get into office, and I'm talking genuinely, genuinely pro-gun, because I, I have plenty of examples in the books uh, of Republicans who squish on guns or, or flip-flop on guns or, or flagrantly just lie to our faces, say, I love the Second Amendment. Uh, it's great. And then when given the opportunity, they they, you know, they don't vote for what we need or they're actively against us. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of options. We have a lot of things we can do to to, to make progress. And I think we are overall uh, in the meantime, though, the people stuck in those uh, states that are just absolutely dominated by the big blue cities. I mean, they're in for a heck of a fight. And their their best bet is the courts and also um if you look at like Illinois, just passing this assault weapons ban, it's really interesting because I last count I saw it was 60 something of the sheriffs in Illinois. There's 102 counties in Illinois, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not I'm not from that area. But I think there's 100 county, 100 and something counties in Illinois that 60 of them have 60 something of them have now said they're not going to enforce this law. And the governor's furious at them and demanding they be replaced, but he doesn't have the authority to do that. So. They're just not going to prosecute their their citizens uh, unless they're doing some other crime. They're not going to go after anybody for this. And all the sheriffs are writing letters saying, hey, we support the Second Amendment, and this is a blatantly unconstitutional move, and we're not going to enforce it. And I, that's courageous, and I, I salute those guys for taking that stand. There's a principle I've talked about on air, and it's mostly – in a negative sense, it's called the too big to fix or, you know, in this case, I wouldn't say fix, but too big to I'm not sure what the other word is, Larry, uh, too big to overrun. You, you're, you're an expert. You are an expert in self-defense training and more and more Americans 
and yes, women included, uh, minority women, you name it, across the board, more and more Americans in the past few years have purchased weapons, have, uh, you know, gotten trained, certified. They continue to train. We see an increase in many areas in this country in range usage. Uh, There's more to this. So as more and more people become better at exercising their rights and by the numbers becoming too big to overrun, I think that's a viable path as well because it's reality over agenda. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got a chapter in the book about that, just kind of a shifting uh, culture war. And uh, what's really interesting is you go back and you look at during the riots and you look at during all the chaos um, where we had all these places around America, the cities were in flames, uh, and the police were telling people, you're on your own. We can't come save you. Good luck. And for the first time, a lot of people who had been on the fence about guns or even anti-gun were left hanging. And they had this realization that, wow, I'm on my own. And the run on guns in 2020 was madness. You can talk to any gun dealer anywhere in America, and they'll tell you the same thing. They had people rushing through the door. They had lines down the street. They had people buying guns. And the thing is, they weren't uh, hardcore gun guys. They weren't guys like me. You know, we've got ours. We're not going out during the crazy rushes and trying to buy more. We're, we're doing fine. These were mostly new people. Uh, these were people who were new to the idea of self-defense. And they're coming into the Second Amendment kind of out of desperation. But once they're in that, now they're part of the club. And it's our job to welcome them and help them understand and learn. Um, one of the reasons I wrote this book was to, to help people, to give this book to the, their fence-sitting loved ones, their friends, their, their neighbors, their relatives that are you know, kind of thinking about guns, or maybe they're a little anti-gun because they, they watch the news and they believe everything they're told on the news. They don't understand that they're being lied to and manipulated. So I tried to go through and like articulate for all these new people that like, this is why we believe what we believe. This is why we do what we do. And this is how you guys can take advantage of these rights. Uh, the Second Amendment's a human right. It's intended for everybody, every group. Um, it doesn't matter. It's for all human beings. It's for us to be able to defend ourselves and our families and our loved ones. So, I mean, if, if we can help move the needle for these people, I think that's the best thing we could ever do. Absolutely. I want to go to a specific case. Uh, and, and, again, looking forward to your book uh, in defense of the Second Amendment. That My guest, Larry Correa, who's on the line with me, uh, that comes out, I believe, on the 24th. Uh, correct me if I've got that wrong. Uh, yep, no, that's, that's pre- correct. And you can pre-order uh, now as well. By the way, getting Nick Searcy to write the foreword, I, I got to give him. I got to give him a hard time about that. You know, longtime friend, but good for you. You know, good, good man. Uh, he is a but, great American. I love Nick. He is a good guy. He's very shy. He's absolutely <laughs> very shy about what he has to say. Uh, but this case, I, I don't know how closely, Larry, you've you've followed this case in Houston. You had uh, a robbery suspect, uh, you know, using a weapon or in this case <clears throat> at the time, clearly and the law backs you up on this. He had a a uh, fake weapon, but using it to hold up patrons. Uh, then one of the patrons uh, pulled out his weapon, shot him and then fired after he was down on the ground. Now, activists 
are calling for him to be treated as a lawbreaker. Uh, I don't know how much you follow the case, as I said, but here, here's a case where no one knew this guy, for all intents and purposes, for everybody viewing it, had a gun. There's video. Uh, but now they go after the man who took action based on what was available for information and under the law, legal. Yeah, that was a really interesting case. Um, and I, I'm not local to that area, but to the best of my knowledge, I don't think they've identified him yet. I think he just left. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm just not left. sure. Well, and also from watching that video, my, my reaction as a, as a self-defense instructor kind of guy was watching that video. I was like, that's not this guy's first rodeo. So I don't know what his background is, um, but that, that man was not a stranger to violence. Now, what I would say on that is just in general, but with, with having concealed carry, it's four situations like that. It's defense in depth. You know, it's, it's the bad guys, the, the criminals, they don't know who's armed. It could be anybody. It could be grandma. You know, it could be whoever. And it's just a layers of defense because the law ain't going to be there all the time to help us. So it's going to come down to we're going to defend ourselves. And so that for the first part of that is clearly a justified shooting. The, the, the criminal had a gun. There's no way to tell if a gun is a toy gun when, you, when someone is pointing it at your face like that. That's legally speaking, as long as a reasonable person can believe that that's a real gun. I mean, it looks like a real gun. Then you're legally OK. Um, he presented the ability, opportunity, and immediate threat of serious bodily harm to everybody in that restaurant. So when the when the uh, fellow pulls the gun and shoots him, he was perfectly legally justified. Um, it gets a little questionable at the end where he puts a bunch of extra bullets into the guy, and that's what it turns I mean, when when he's already down disarmed. Uh, that wouldn't that that would get legally questionable, and it would be bad in most states. So if you are defending yourself in most states, the rule is you shoot until. The, you can no longer articulate that there's a threat. Uh, the, the, the guy's got, once he's no longer a threat, you need to stop hurting him. That said, this situation, I think that guy shot the, the, the bad guy and looked at the situation and said, I'm not going to get tangled up with the law, and he's gone. And I don't know if they'll ever find him. I uh, can't fault him. Uh, I don't know what his background is, but he got the heck out of there and uh, can't really fault him for that. Well, uh, okay, legally, I can't say that. <laughs> you know, somebody who's taught CCW class, I can't say that. But, uh, um, you know, the rest no, of the I, But I, I understand what you're saying. The reality is people look at a situation and walk away, right? People drive away from accidents, different situation. But that reaction to not not be caught up in this. Look, we've all played moot court at times, right? I do it on this show with attorneys and otherwise. Uh, if the ME determines that the initial shots fired were the cause of death, after that it might even be a civil charge because you're not allowed to, you know, damage or further or whatever, a body. So we'll see how that plays out. I mean, that actually could be the factor under Texas law in this case. Uh, something akin to you can't steal a dead body from a morgue. You know, it's already dead. So we'll see. Yeah, I guess you a, and I are playing a little bit of moot court with this. Yeah, I, I think I think that'll be that's one of those questions for, for people to argue on the Internet. As far as the practicality of it, that first part, you know, that he, he did exactly what concealed carry exists for. And it offends a lot of people because they like to, you know, coddle bad people and they like to coddle criminals. But, you know, the more the state abdicates its responsibility and the more the state does lets people run wild and, and the more crime gets worse and worse, the more regular people aren't going to put up with it. Um, the state doesn't have a monopoly on force. We delegate that to them. 
uh, under the assumption that they're going to administer the law fairly. And if they're not doing their job, people are going to do their job. And I, we've seen concealed carry has grown all over America, and I think that's fantastic. And we have, like I said, half the states now allow you to just carry a firearm if you're a law-abiding citizen with no, no issues. I think that is fantastic. Um, and we've seen, and I have a ton of examples in the book of cases where you know terrible, terrible events have been prevented by just regular armed citizens. And uh, the media hates that. They always like to say that the good guy with a gun is a myth. Um, but we have literally thousands of examples uh, where some criminal actor set out to do a horrible thing and hurt innocent people, and they were stopped by a regular, just regular Joe, regular dude on the street, a regular woman. They pulled the gun and stopped him, and the news hates that. They, they despise that more than anything else in the world, and they will do everything in their power to squash those stories. And it's because yeah. they, they have to maintain that narrative. I miss the days of taking these, uh, quote, I'll use the term journalists, out on shoot-no-shoot shoot situations. <laughs> See oh, gosh, how yeah. they react. <laughs> anyway, uh, Larry, k- uh, kudos again on the book uh, in defense of the Second Amendment and uh, looking forward to uh, catching up at some other time. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate you doing the work, helping people learn how to uh, do things right, defend themselves. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.